very high expectation of what I've always thought this franchise is, and that was the best franchise in sports. In the moments where we are now, as players, we got to execute. Every day, I'm so fortunate to be a part of this team. This is 49ers Plus Minus. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here with my co-host Matt Barrows, 49ers Plus Minus. Matt is in Indianapolis at the, what is it, the Combine, Scouting Combine, uh, which I never go to, but it's always full of good gossip, always full of information. Uh, John Lynch did his big presser, and then I guess he did his little uh, smaller confab with the beat writers. Uh, Matt Barrows, what do you get out of that? What did John Lynch, what was his message? What was the information you got? Uh, there was a lot. It was uh, disparate. Um, everything from free agency to their ongoing defensive coordinator search, which I thought was the the most pertinent. And, um, you know, uh, he said that uh, they're looking both inside and outside the building. Brandon Staley has been interviewed. Staley actually interviewed last week. Uh, Nick Sorensen is an in-house candidate who was interviewed. Daniel Bullocks will be another one who is interviewed. And there have to be at least two more outside interviews. They haven't done any Rooney Rule um, interviews so far. You have to interview uh, two outside the organization minority candidates in order to comply with that. So, I mean, it doesn't seem like they're, um, they're even close to being finished with it. Maybe by the end of the week they will be, uh, but they still have things to do. There's no rush, of course, because – they're the only team that's looking for a defensive coordinator at this point. So um, all, all the uh, available candidates only have one place to go, and that's San Francisco. Uh, my read on it, Lynch said this several times, both when he was on the podium and then uh, sort of behind the scenes with the locals, is that they don't want to veer very far away from their system. Um, you know, four-man front, aggressive system, all of that. To me, that that points to an internal candidate at this point. Um, you know, Brandon Staley not only is an external candidate, his system is, I mean, you can almost describe it as the polar opposite of what the 49ers do. Uh, he prefers a 3-4. It's a very complex system where, you know, the, the idea is that this defense has answers for everything. But because of that, you know, th- there's a lot of um, – you know, analyzing by the players, a lot of um, different variables, a lot of different things they can do on a given play, whereas the 49ers is supposed to be you just react and you play fast. So I, I just have a hard time reconciling that. I asked Lynch that. I said, I said it sounds like, you know, it's not going to be Brandon Staley. And he cut me off very quickly. He said, no, 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 no. This guy's a very bright mind. He's got great ideas. Um you know, I uh, do not rule him out. Uh, tea leaf reading and kind of, uh, you know, scouting combine buzz is that people have a hard time seeing it being Staley. But they interviewed him. So, um, you know, they went at least uh, that far. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I would say that the, uh, the, the, the smart money right now is on Nick Sorensen. Yeah, I mean, again, listen, they got rid of Steve Wilkes, because he didn't quite fit the culture, you're going to have to f- find somebody who fits the culture, right? You, you don't want to bring someone else. That's why I was never high on a Staley thing. Is not only does he have his own system, and not only did 
Joey Bosa not like it very much uh, in LA, which I think is a big deal. But also, he's got his own thing. Like, isn't it? Gonna, Brandon Staley is going to do the Brandon Staley thing. That's Brandon Staley. He's he's got this, you know, media people who love him. He's got this scheme that you know. And and I don't know that they were going to go down that road unless he was the perfect guy to do it. And I don't think he was. Now Nick Sorensen, we'll have to see. It's going to be interesting. You go from Steve Wilkson, you know, if it is Nick Sorensen, like he's going to have to come in with some stuff. I have floated Jeff Ulbrich's name out there. I said, I don't, you know, obviously the Jets could block that. Maybe the 49ers have gone that road and it's just not anything the Jets are going to allow. I have a feeling that that was something they really did think about heavily. Uh, beyond that, I don't know. Because um, that would be in the Seattle system. That would be a linebacker. That would be a D'Amico Ryan kind of model, a D'Amico Ryan's model. But um, it'll be, you know, if they go in-house, there's some questions. Like, why didn't you hire Nick Sorensen last time? Right? right? I mean, you could have. Uh, you move on from Steve Wilkes, an established, you know, leader, and you go to somebody you're not so sure. We'll see. I mean, maybe Nort Sorensen or whoever else is going to be is great, but there's going to be questions with that. I mean, do you know him personally at all, Sorensen? Uh, what kind of personality does he have? Um, he went to Virginia Tech, so that's a a minus right there. Um, he he also played for my rival high school. He he was a. Uh, he was a martial statesman. Tim, you put yourself on mute there. Okay. Um, I know. I know. And I, I was a uh, I was a Madison Warhawk. So we're crosstown rivals. So we've talked a lot about that. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think the appeal of Sorensen not only is he an internal candidate, he's done a little bit of everything with the 49ers. Um, a couple of years ago, um, Johnny Holland was dealing with multiple myeloma and had to leave the team. Uh, for for a bit, it was Nick Sorensen who came in and, and coached the linebackers there. Um, he's coaching nickelbacks um, this past season. He's coached defensive backs in the past. He played safety in the NFL. He played cornerback in the NFL. He was a, he was the Jaguars uh, special teams coordinator uh, for one season. He actually had to fill in for uh, Brian Schneider, who left uh, abruptly in Jacksonville, and it was. Um, it was Sorensen who came in. He runs their what they call the ball meeting, which is they meet once a week on Thursdays to talk about takeaways. He's the guy that runs that. So I, I think he's got sort of a, a broad appeal. He's got a good personality. People like him. Um, you know, is he perfect? Is, is he a linebacker's guy? Has he been coaching in the system for for 10 years? No. But I think the 49ers feel like he's sharp enough and like, I keep describing him as having sort of a global, uh, you know, vision. I mean, he's, he's been in so many different spots in this defense that he knows how it works um, and, and can can run it because of that. T to your Ulbrich point, the thing that I would add about Ulbrich is, is he's got a, the cult of personality. He's a very magnetic person. People like him. Um, they, they like to play for him. I mean, he's the ideal candidate, and that's been a big, has been a big scuttlebutt about uh, Ulbrich here in in Indianapolis. Everybody thinks that the 49ers would love to have him. No one is quite convinced that the issue is dead. Although John Lynch told me uh, that it is dead. Um, you know, Ulbrich is under contract. The 49ers never put in a formal request for for him. Um, when you ask to speak to another team's assistant you have to fill out a slip. So you always say, ha have you guys filled out a slip for 
anybody on the Jet staff? The answer is is no. Uh, so there's been no sort of formal engagement. Has there been informal engagement? Has there been back channel stuff? <laughs> I have to say that the uh, the answer to that is yes. But it could be that they've just gotten, you know, the Heisman from Robert Sala all along and that, you know, by now it is a dead issue and that they realize that it's not going to happen. But I, I, I still think that it's at least um, – uh, if it's an EKG machine, the, the blip isn't quite aligned yet. There's still <laughs> a faint beep, beep going on with the 49ers in Albrook situation. Well, let me know when that thing spikes. If, if it does, you let me know, uh, Dr. Barrows. But here's yeah. a question. Like, you know, it was a quick firing, and you would have think if he's going to go move on from Steve Wilkes, he has a good idea. Kyle Shannon has a good idea who the coordinator was going to be. Maybe he didn't though, because it was so quick. Like, maybe it was just a Kyle. I can't have him as my defensive coordinator. It's not going to happen. I got to move on. And even if there isn't a short list to replace him, it doesn't feel like they have that. Other than maybe Ulbrich, maybe Gus Bradley, it doesn't feel like those two guys did not have to. Like you know, you weren't sure you could get either guy because they're both coordinators. So you, the team has to prove it. So maybe Kyle did not have like a really set short list. Uh, you know, that he absolutely knew he could turn to. And he's just going to have to interview to figure out who it was going to be. Matt, that, that surprises me a little bit. You know, it, it could be a, a Mac Jones situation. Paying attention. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. Um, we have a little delay like we always do. Um, it could be a Mac Jones situation where Shanahan knew that he had Nick Sorensen all along as a possibility Let's just go out and, and see what else is out there. Worst comes to worst, we hire Nick Sorensen, and it's a uh, it's a good hire. So um, to me, that's kind of how it, it it plays out. I mean, I was doing stories about you know Steve Wilkes during the season, and at one point, you know, Wilkes was was doing a great job, and the 49ers' defense was humming. And so the question became at that point: Okay, what if Wilkes gets hired as a head coach at the end of the season? Um, who would be an internal candidate who su- who could succeed him? And that's when I first heard about Sorensen being a possibility. So I, I think that's been um, at least um, uh, uh, on their minds uh, as a possibility for, for, for some time now. All right. Uh, end of the week, you think? A couple days? When does this thing end? I, again, I mean, they still have work to do. Um they haven't filed a slip with the New York Giants. I mean, sorry, the New York Jets. And there are other assistants on the Jets who make sense. Marquand Manuel, Tony Oden. Um, they haven't uh, filed one with the Houston Texans either. And we've talked about Chris Kiffin yep. as a possibility. They haven't asked either of those teams yet. So, again, uh, there doesn't seem to be any rush about it. A- end of the week um, is, is a possibility. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes into next week, though, too. Um, that's, that's a surprise. I mean, listen, not that Isaiah Oliver is the barometer of much, but you're, you're, you're getting rid of him. What if the new coordinator loves the guy, right? I mean, you are making some decisions now that are yeah. affecting where you go. You're, you know, you are in a combine. I, don't, I know the 49ers coaches aren't there, but you're getting information. You're getting the feel of it. Kind of want your defensive coordinator there, there, right? I mean, it just it feels a little slow, or or in fact, a lot slow. I thought they would have it done by now, um, but I, you know, they they do their own things. And here I am saying they made a fast decision to fire him, and and why aren't they making a faster one to replace him? But it just feels like this is process is 
a little clunkier, I think, than we're used to. But you, then again, Shanahan has never fired a coordinator before, right? He's just we've ne he hasn't gone through that, so maybe this is a new thing. Uh, any other impressions from John Lynch? I mean, he looked like he was in good mood. He looked like he was had good energy. Um, you know, he isn't the one who we've seen up and down for this stuff like we see with Kyle. But uh, what was the general mood from Lynch? What other things did you glean from the, the two uh, sessions he had with, with the reporters? Yeah, I, I get the impression that Lynch is the uh, franchise's therapist. Like he's the one that kind of <laughs> keeps everybody on an even keel. He's the one that encourages Kyle Shanahan to take some time off. And, and that may, may be part of the, the delay here is that you know, Shanahan gets worn down by the end of these yep. uh, these seasons. You, you could see it in his face. He loses weight. Obviously, he's fatigued. So there may have been just some kind of recovery time that that he took. The funny thing, what was going on is uh, Lynch has his podium session, and then um, he takes the the locals. Uh, maybe there were five of us: uh, Mayoko, Mike Silver, Jennifer, uh, David. David Lombardi was there. Um, to a, sort of a back room and we sit at a table and we kind of go over more um, kind of uh, inside the 49ers questions than he got from the Nationals when he was on the podium. So as we're sitting down around this round table, there's a TV in the background and guess what's being played uh, uh, on screen? The, the Super Bowl. So he's yeah. having to kind of answer <laughs> questions about the Super Bowl, about Drake Greenlaw, about the, as you're saying, about the kind of the psychology of the team, while, you know, there's a, uh, there's a picture of Jake Moody having his uh, point after <laughs> attempt blocked. So, um, yeah, you know, Lynch, Lynch is a bullion. I mean, he's, he's a good-natured person. I don't think he's somebody that falls into funks very often. I've never seen him out of sorts. So um, he was in a, a John Lynch mood today. Okay, Brandon Ayuk update. Anything telling that he said about Ayuk's contract? I mean, it's all um, reading the tea leaves, and I think people were doing that on February 13 when yeah. he spoke about Ayuk, and it wasn't sort of the effusive sort of Nick Bosa-like response yeah. that, oh, yeah, we're going to resign this guy no matter what. It's, it's priority number one, and that got people thinking, oh, well, are they going to they gonna trade this guy? That in combination with Ayuk's very sort of cryptic, uh, lugubrious – um, responses in the, in the locker room. Um, today, it was more sort of the, those Lynch quotes that he gave for, you know, George Kittle and for Debo Samuel and for Fred Warner. You know, this is a homegrown guy. We want to take care of our homegrown guys. We're, we're going to do everything in, in our ability to, to resign him. So it was more forceful, I would say, than what he was saying at uh, on February 13, which I thought was more sort of careful. Um, so, I mean, uh, again, it's just words at this point. They haven't sat down and started to uh, negotiate anything. I thought that one of the more significant things is that he talked about a long-term deal with Juwan Jennings. Hmm. Um, so that's a possibility as well. Juwan Jennings is going to be a restricted free agent. Um, they can put a tender on him and, and keep him here for one more year He's talking about having Jennings sign for multiple years, three or three or four years or something like that. So that's um, that actually could happen a lot sooner than a than a Brandon Ayuk deal. Could you see Juwan as a, a number two receiver? I can't really. I mean, the numbers, the production's good, but I don't know that he's a guy you'd want a team only with 
with Debo. Where, where do you see Juwan? Is he a, is strictly a, three, a third receiver? Yeah, I mean, I can see him pairing him with uh, Brandon Ayuk more than I can yeah. pairing him with uh, Debo Samuel. I mean, I, I think he's definitely number two worthy. I think the market is going to determine that real quick um, if they don't get a deal done. And the clock is ticking on that, by the way. They, they've got two weeks before free agency starts. Um, if they can't get one done, they have to put a tender amount on him, and they're sort of guessing what the what the rest of the league thinks about him. Um, I, I think a lot of 49ers observers would think that they would put um, a second-round tender on him, which would allow the 49ers to, to match whatever deal he gets. And if they can't, then they get a second-rounder in return. The, one, the step below that is an, an original-round tender, and he was a seventh-rounder. So they would only get a seventh-round pick uh, in return. And I, if I'm another team and I'm rebuilding my roster and I, you know, I'm running the 49ers style offense. I want a tough guy. I, I, w- I would do that in a heartbeat. O- only thing you have to give up is a seventh rounder. Uh, that that, uh, that seems like a no brainer. So my guess is that it's the second round tender. I've never seen them use a second round tender on a restricted free agent before. So it'll be uh, it'll be a new ground if they do that. Obviously, uh, a bit of surprise saw the cap go up, uh, you know, due to media rights or whatever. I mean, it went higher than and I always estimate up and it went up another, what, 13 percent, whatever, some big number. Um, do you think there's a practical you know, conclusion of that? And the 49ers like, oh, now we couldn't afford this guy and now we can. Uh, did Lynch have a reaction to that? And what do you think that turns out to be? Yeah, I mean, it helps everybody. That's that's the bottom line. So everybody now has more room to sign players. Um, so let's just take Juwan Jennings, for example. You know, another team now has a little bit more room yeah. to make a move like that. The other part of that is that when the cap goes up, so do all these tender amounts. So the the, the tender amounts that I was just describing come with a certain price tag for Juwan Jennings. It ranges from like, I forget, 4.6 million, one of the highest to uh, for to, to 2 million, but those went up at the same time the cap mm-hmm. did as well. So it's all, it's all related. I, I, I don't know if it really benefits the 49ers any more than any other team. It, it hurts them in some ways, just because um, all of a sudden their competitors have more room to sign these guys as well. Contracts are going to go up accordingly as well. I mean, it, it's all part of the same pie. One thing I guess I was just thinking, they've signed so many big contracts in the last few years that, you know, if the cap goes up like this, they don't look as bad, right? The, in the big years, when you're paying Trent Williams $26 million, like $26 million is going to be the going rate for a, a really good left tackle. It's not an excess number. $34 million a year for Nick Bosa will be exceeded by somebody. Like this stuff, that you build that in when you pay out these large numbers that at some point it's not going to look like Jimmy Garoppolo's deal was the, the, what was the, the highest salary in NFL history when they signed it. And then by the, like three weeks later, it was fifth. Right. I mean, it just, it, when the number goes up, the deals you're locked into, if you happen to be locked into a lot of them, don't look as bad. I think that's kind of what I was thinking more than anything. You know, uh, the Fred Warner deal, the George Kittle deal, these aren't the Debo Samuel deal. Like these are big deals, but if you're locked into them, you're not bidding with anybody, and the number does look better every year that the cap goes up that high. Yeah, that's a great point. It's a t- terrific point, and, and that 
that that helps the 49ers. Um, Mike Silver asked a question. I mean, he noted that two years ago they, they signed Charvarius Ward. Uh, last year it was uh, Javon Hargrave. So they, they've made these big moves uh, in, in each of the last two seasons. So Silver asked, you know, is, is there another one coming? And I thought it was interesting. I mean, uh, Lynch uh, hemmed and hawed, and he said, uh, you know, we're working through all those scenarios right now. But he didn't discount it offhand, which I thought he might. He might say, you know what, you know, you know, we got 2025 coming. We have all these big salaries. We've got to think about um, uh, Brock Purdy's deal. He didn't dismiss it offhand, which is interesting. Um, that, that means that, uh, that I think that they're at least going to consider it. I'd still be surprised if there's another big one like that. I don't know what, I mean, I guess defensive line would be the, the position. Um, but, um, yeah, maybe they do have a surprise for us, uh, you know, that first week of free agency. They love those surprises. They do love them. Uh, but I would think it would be a right tackle. And I, you know, I've looked at the list. I'm sure you looked at it much closely. There's not really a tackle no. available that would you go, oh, Oh, that's the guy that's worth fourteen million a year. You know, like what was McGlinchey last year? Like sixteen, and that's what's the going rate for a right tackle. I don't think they need to get. They need to draft a tackle. I've said this a million times. Draft a tackle, move McGivitz to right guard, and maybe this tackle is your heir apparent to Trent Williams. So you help yourself in three spots potentially. Maybe you move up. You've got some extra comp picks. Yeah. You, I mean, there's some tackles. Again, I haven't looked a lot. I'm just reading the reports. There definitely seem to be five to seven draftable tackles in the first round this this year. They're at 31. They got some picks. Can you move to 26 and get the third best instead of the fifth best? Something like that. Um, I just see I, – I know your defensive line because it's always safe to bet they're going to draft a defensive lineman, and they could because I don't know who they've got on, on the end other than opposite Boza. But I just think right tackle is such a glaring need, and you can't get one. Unless you draft one in the first or second round, it's hard to stumble into a fifth round tackle, right? It's just hard. It, they're out there, but there's, it, it's, they haven't done it, and you, this is a year to do it. I just think right tackle is such an easy pick for them, even if you know, and, and if you move up, even better, uh, and you fill a spot, you help, you, know, you kick McKivitz to right, or you just help yourself in so many different ways. I think tackles are they're there in this draft too. There's a guy uh, named I want to say his name is Tyler Guyton. I think I'm getting that right. He's uh, he, he's uh, an Oklahoma Sooner, um, so you would have bookend Oklahoma yeah, Sooner. Yeah, Trent, uh, Trent Williams would, would, would like that. He would definitely. Uh, but he's uh, he's custom built for this offense. He's he's good on the hoof. He's 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 long. Um, he's young. There's a lot of room to grow. He'd be perfect for this offense. The only issue is that, you know, right now it looks like he's going to go anywhere from, say, pick 15 to pick 20. Um, so you're right. I mean, they do have, what is it, 11 picks? Um, you know, they got a, a first rounder. They've got a second rounder. They've got a couple of third rounders. They have the ability to move up significantly um, and, and get somebody that, that, that they like. And, and this guy would just be perfect for them. Um, you know, um, that that could be it. I mean, I agree with you that that's a big ticket purchase and you need a high or fairly high first round pick to get a a uh, tackle, somebody that you think can be in your system for 10 years. Um, if you wait till 31, are you going to get that guy? I, I don't know. 
I'm skeptical. You know, we're going to be doing all sorts of mock drafts from here until late April. Uh, I just did one the other day. It was our, our beat writer one. And um, I've got uh, Jeff Zrebeck, who uh, covers the Ravens for us, picking right ahead of us, picking right ahead of the 49ers. And who does he pick at pick 30? A tackle. Mm-hmm. And he picked like the last good tackle. That was that was it, and which forced me to go with a defensive end, which I wasn't I didn't feel bad about. But um, I just think that that's a scenario that absolutely could play out, that those tackles, because they're in such high demand, are gone by pick 25. You you have to go up if you want to get one of the elite ones. Plus, they stink in the third round, right? I mean, like, and I know you don't have to, you can't think that way that these picks still are value, even if you're continuously draft third round players who do not make your roster after a year. Uh, but I was like, can you move the two third round of the comp and the euro third, get move up four spots to make sure you get the fourth tackle instead of getting frozen out? And that's That's what I would be my number one plan for them going in. Uh, since I'm writing a column about this, I'll just ask you. Um, I'm writing my off-season predictions a little bit late this year, but we can understand why the, the season got a little bit late this year. Who's the 49ers starting – I mean, I'm sorry, backup quarterback next season? Who do you think would be the most likely? Is it Sam Darnold, who might get pricey? Is it Brandon Allen? Is it unknown? Is it – where do the 49ers go for your, the backup quarterback next season? Yeah, I think it's Brandon Allen. I mean, I think that's why they – um, kind of, uh, I don't want to say bent over backwards, but they really kind of strained to keep Allen around. They gave him, remember, that was a big um, controversy in, in training camp. Why are you giving Brandon Allen snaps <laughs> when, uh, when Trey Lance needs uh, all that he can handle? Trey Lance, uh, Sam Darnold was coming in and learning the offense for the first time. You know, Brock Purdy was coming back from his, his elbow, and Brandon Allen was getting a, a certain number, not a lot, but – a certain number. I think this was all kind of geared toward Brandon Allen being the number two guy this year. Um, and he's been the number two guy in the past. They, they like him. He's a really good resource for Brock Purdy. Um, he, you know, he's not Mr. Excitement. He, he doesn't have a, uh, a killer arm, but it's similar to um, Brock Purdy. So you would have two, your first two quarterbacks would be very similar. So I, I think they do that. And then they, they bring in another young guy as the uh, sort of the project, the, uh, the, the Brock Purdy of 2024. <laughs> I completely agree. I will be writing this. And also, maybe, this is anecdotal, but when I see Purdy talking with another quarterback in a locker room, it's, it's Brandon Allen. Like, I think he talks to Darnold maybe during games, whatever, but uh, those two I see more kind of like, you know, as, as a joint entry as the quarterback room more than I thought with Darnold. And Darnold was a different, you know, shipped in. And he's trying to get his – his, his value back up. And I'm not saying he was any kind of problem. I'm just saying I thought Brandon Allen was kind of a resource that Brock Purdy felt very comfortable with. Uh, just talking, I heard him like talking about when the meeting is going to be and when they're going to do this. And uh, that's the kind of guy you want with Purdy, right? You're, you you want the guy that he's comfortable with, the veteran he can lean on. And, you know, if he has to miss three games, I don't think Kyle Shanahan is that upset about playing. You know, Brandon Allen was better in his mind than Trey Lance. It was not even questioned. Yeah. So, like, that's it's a comfortable backup quarterback for him. Uh, I would thought the uh, Stetson Bennett would be somebody he would be interested in as a third kind of guy. I, I know he has some interest in him in the draft. Rams went drafted him. He, he was not on the team this season. I think they still have his rights, though. 
So um, I would have put, put Stetson Bennett in there if he was out there available, but I will not do that. I'll just throw that name out there because we know Kyle kind of, once he likes a quarterback, it kind of lasts a few years. So keep them keep Stetson Bennett's name out there. There might be, I don't know, where's Jay Kaner? Is he on a roster right now? That's yeah, he's in, he's in New Orleans. Okay. With, with, with this Shanahan assistant taking there over. You the there you go. There you go. Uh, all right. What else you got? What other you're out of there tomorrow? Or are you sticking around for any of the workouts? No, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm out of there. First flight of the day. I'm going to I'm definitely going to watch the workouts from home, which is actually a, a better spot to to watch them. And I'm going to have my eye on uh, defensive linemen, offensive linemen, cornerbacks. I think wide receiver is something that uh, we, we should probably uh, be talking about more just just given the the contract situations of all these guys, even if they put a nice tender on Juwan Jennings, that just means that he's an unrestricted free agent next year. And then you got the Debo situation. I, I, I think it would be nice to have a, uh, a good uh, wide receiver in the shoot. And I don't, I don't know if they've got a good young hey, one in the shoot right Danny now. Danny Gray, you're writing off Danny Gray and his great career so far. You're writing that on one catch uh, to you. <laughs> Is one catch for seven yard career so far? Yeah, that's who I'm talking about. Done. He's. Uh, I don't even know if he's going to be on the roster next season. Uh, all right, Barros. Uh, quick one at the combine. I'm glad you were there. I'm glad you were able to rub elbows. No, Kyle Shanahan again. Is he just? Is is he just never going to go to a combine again? Is it it's just he, we're never going to see him there? He heard that Tim Kawakami doesn't go. <laughs> so why should I go? <laughs> I was teasing. I was teasing D'Amico Ryan's about it um, because that this is a trend. I mean, and all these yeah. Shanahan kind of coaching tree guys, McVay doesn't go, Robert Sala doesn't go. Although I did hear Robert Sala is here, but he's not here for any of the media stuff. Um, so uh, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's going to be a bigger trend in the future that fewer and fewer of these guys are going to show up. These coaches get tired and I get it. Like they don't need to go. I mean, especially the guys who are in the Super Bowl, but Although Andy Reid's there, uh, but they don't need to just like go through this and the hubbub and have to chit chat with everybody. And that's not Kyle's thing. That's one thing I respect about him. He's not a chit chat, get on NFL Network and do a plug. And like, he's just not that guy. And McVay kind of is that guy, but he blows it off too. Uh, and if those two guys are blown it off, I mean, they are so influential with all their comrades. They'll, they have to go to the owners meetings, right? They have to go to that. So they'll go there. That's where they'll do their connecting. That's where they'll do their conversations. And and Kyle will get the hell out of there again. And uh, maybe he'll look up as groggy as he was last year yeah. at the uh, media session. <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was classic groggy, yeah. Kyle. My God. That was rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see if Barrows can uh, meet him with the grogginess out there. All right. I, well, that's another thing I will not be going to. I just don't go to these things. That's that's uh, old me, rebel me. I don't. I just don't do stuff like that. I, I wish I didn't have to do the Super Bowl this year, but I did. All right, Barrows, with, with that negativity, uh, we will end this. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening, everybody. Say goodbye. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>